Today's episode of White Sox Business is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Add to your flash briefing on Alexa or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. happen you have to look at how you're doing business hello and welcome to white Sox business a show that was meant to be a white Sox podcast when it started 55 episodes ago but has since devolved into the only method of communication with the outside world that its two hosts have i'm one of those hosts tom fernelli and joining me today is a guy who i would be a lot nicer to if he started saying nicer things about me publicly the Athletics White Sox reporter James Vegan. James, have you started watching Tiger King yet? You talk me out of it, and I take your words extremely seriously because you're so sage and uh, wise and um, handsome. And, I like where uh, this is going. Like the right amount of her suit. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I haven't watched it yet. I started oh, watching yeah, Hunters. Is... It's a tonally kind of a mess. What, Hunters? What's yeah. that about? Oh, is that the Amazon uh, one with Al Pacino? Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't watch that. I, I, just based off the trailer, I was like, no. Nah. <laughs> I, I would, not, would not recommend at this point. <laughs> I, I cannot deal with Al Pacino doing that, whatever accent that is supposed to be. <laughs> not even the biggest problem. <laughs> I wish I could focus on that. Uh, have you started watching the uh, Plot Against America? Uh... I started to – I think it will get watched at some point, but I, I think it would probably be better than Hunters as far as this topic. But I was, I was watching it at some point where my wife was like, yeah, this seems extremely sad. I'm not feeling this at the moment. Yeah, it's um, a little too on the nose. Like I've, I've watched the first two episodes, and I, I just don't know if I'm going to be able to keep going. Whereas like my issue with Hunters is that um, – I don't know. It would probably be like – I have like a grandmother who escaped Nazi Germany in 1939 who was Jewish. Like, uh, I don't know. Like, that story is not like a cartoon to me. It's it'd kind of be like, it'd be part of my issue of like with Django Unchained of just like making like a very serious issue into just like some stupid violent fantasy. Like, at a certain point, it becomes hollow. Like, yeah. You really no. care about it. Yeah. It just, I don't know. That, 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 that kind of stuff. No, I mean, it's kind of like a mixture of like history but made into a comic book where everything's got to be superheroes now. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, it, you, you either like have to like lay it off a little bit softer as far as like just depicting the violent horror or it can't like, or it shouldn't be, or everything's cartoonish, and, but you can't really like, kind of do both, which they seem to do. Although I think we do a good job of it. Yeah, uh, you know, with baseball, I, I feel like it, it, it fits more. Remember, like, when we were doing this last season, we were like, we're really supposed to do two pods a week, and we're, you know, we're going to have a pod just like, well, um, I know if I got knocked around, like, are we really going to talk the whole episode about, like, just, like, three games and stuff like that? We we would be killing for that level of material. Our biggest, like, <laughs> thing on the agenda right now is a freaking conference call. That Lucas Giolito did yesterday, where he talked about like watching Love is Blind. That's our show. So it was a conference call. It wasn't just a one-on-one, huh? Yeah. Not exclusive for James Feig. And James can't, you know, Gio's, 
Just dodging you. The distance hurts too much. I mean, I talked to him for like 45 minutes at spring training, and I still haven't written it up, so I guess I can't really complain. Maybe that's why he hasn't talked to you. Probably. I mean, he's like, <laughs> he's he's like, he's been waiting. He's told his he told his family. I mean, of course, his his mom knows. He's told he's told his whole family they're waiting for it. He's been posting about it on social media. He says the great James Fegan is going to write a feature on me. Everybody, just wait, just wait, and he's still waiting. And you heard him. Broke his heart. To be fair, the feature was planned to be timed out for his opening day start. And if anything, I have a lot of time to get ready for that. <laughs> you should literally just publish it as it was originally written, as if he is starting that day. <laughs> With the White Sox taking to the field today to open the 2020 season, Lucas Giolito is really looking forward to his opening day start. Yeah, after 4,000 words about him as a child. Is that your lead, though, in that voice too? Uh, yes, I you know that you have to uh, to get that voice in text. You have to both italicize, bold, and underline, and that's what that voice and strike means. through, and strike through. So you, to, you to make did, it look like it's all a mistake. <laughs> you did talk to Lucas, and we know now that he's watching Love Is Blind, which is another Netflix show that I, I that everybody is watching. That I I don't even like. I watch Tiger King, but I have absolutely no interest in watching Love Is Blind. I mean, I watched an entire season of Love Island, and that was even before the quarantine. So as much as I don't want to watch Love is Blind, I don't really feel like I can like actually state you don't some have sort a of like, principled objection about it. That's one of those things where it's you're watching it whether you want to or not. I mean, we'll Due see. to circumstances outside your control. I mean, the boss is in the next room, so what, what they say is ultimately what dictates it. Well, aside from Love is Blind, did, did Gio give you any kind of sense of how he's handling his life without baseball right now? He said there's a big net into his backyard and he throws into it. Uh, not a it sock on like, his wrist? Not a sock on his wrist. He's got a bit more set up. He did say, like, oh, I've got a, like a home gym. And then later in the interview, it's revealed that his home gym is the garage. So it's not like this... <laughs> It's just a weight bench with like 30 pounds of weights. He's out there like, yep, getting it in. Like, I assume he has something to tie like the little bands to that they do their flexibility exercises to. But like, even at the complex, uh, you know, the the multi-million dollar White Sox complex, that's just like a chain link fence. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) In my my basement, it is like a a, uh, beam. (laughs) There's a a beam that I, I put that around that and then I, that's what I use. You do the flexibility thing? Yeah. The little band work? Yeah. I learned it all in Pilates. I mean, uh, he says, like, he's been talking with Don Cooper and Kurt Hasler, and, like, they're monitoring how much he's throwing every day and, and all that, and that he's still he's doing the same kind of walk between not ramping up but not letting himself go into off-season mode or anything like that, though. I don't know. What, what really would be the harm at this point in April? It's not like you're playing for another month. You could probably chill if you wanted. <laughs> yeah. But, like, even if they were, like, on the idea of, like, well, stay ready, I think they could probably chill out till May and still not really have to deal with a big lag time, uh, I feel. Um, I think everyone is in the mo- – looking at this rundown answering the questions for it. <laughs> um, I think everyone's in the mode of thinking – that there's going to be a season because I if there's not going to be a season what like they're going to prepare for the thing that they need to be ready for because if there weren't out turns out there's not going to it's going to be a canceled season like what what would he do for that just sit around 
Um, I, I think at every way at this point is expecting that. Um, I, don't know, I, I don't have a great love for some of the, the false negative certainty people have put out about the idea that there's not going to be a season. Because mm-hmm. I, I feel like the larger thing is that everyone just doesn't know. It's not that everyone's kind of deluding themselves into July. It, it's really a genuine uncertainty. So I don't, I don't think there's any necessarily value or there's any like extra wisdom in saying like, for sure we know um, that there's not going to be a play, any play at any point. Um, it's really the uncertainty that's really digging with everybody. But I would say at this point, I would probably be more anticipating a season where we see a lot of games without fans because it seems like getting to the point where it becomes medically advisable to just have huge gatherings or have, you know, tens of thousands of people in the same place, it seems harder to imagine us getting that point without, you know, a broad vaccine or a broad, like, really effective treatment. I don't think just, like, quarantining and getting the new cases down is going to open things back up to where, um, yeah, pile into um, pile into a building with 40,000 people and everyone hug and kiss each other. I, I don't think we get there. So whoa, he, whoa, he, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> What I mean, I didn't go to a lot of games at all last year, so I did... see a lot from the press box, man, and I see a lot in the press box, uh, you know, with Merck <laughs> and, and DVS and whatnot. So I, I know it happens. I know, you know, you could. There was always a chemistry between those two online that you can kind of pick up. There's an electricity, a spark, and now it's it's nice to know that it's confirmed. The, the is... likes you see on Twitter are nothing nothing compared to the likes you see in person. <laughs> But, I mean, you, he talked about the possibility of playing in empty stadiums. Is that something he'd be cool with? Uh, no, he thinks it would suck, but he would do it because it's his job. Um, he, I mean, as someone who's generally not the, like, mean, like, sneering Jack Parkman uh, type of persona, he, it was fun to hear him mention that, like, one of his greatest thrills as a player is shutting out the opposing fans on the road. And like uh, uh, players at this level, at certainly have kind of worked up to the point where they kind of thrive off the energy. Obviously, insert your own joke here about how Lucas has not necessarily played to a lot of packed houses in his short career on the White Sox, and he even mentioned the fact that like you know when you're playing in like Low A Hagerstown as he was in the National System, he certainly played in very empty parks where you can kind of hear uh, the guy warming up in the pen um, <laughs> in right field pretty easily. I so can't believe you're on White Sox business attendance shaming the people of Hagerstown. <laughs> uh, the complaint I remember about Lucas and Hagerstown was the showers not being ha- heated. Um, uh, not that minor league baseball needs anybody to uh, attack them further than the, more than the league is already already doing. Yeah, seriously, but, uh, side side little side subject there. Like, is it just me or is everything MLB is doing designed to destroy the miners? <laughs> like, that's like the ultimate. They're they're killing the draft. Like, they're extremely shortening it. They're every it seems like every decision they're making is like, hey, this will help us with our plan to get rid of a bunch of minor league affiliates. Right. I mean, the plan to trend the draft and had the first five rounds. What, 80, 70 to 80 percent of the money that you're spending on the draft is going in the first five rounds? Like, it's not a cost of not much of a cost saving measure to, nope. you know, cut off the 35th rounders. That's just cutting mass and that's just cutting the um, um, level of players that you have in the organization that you filter out to all these affiliates. So it seems very, very not very useful to what they are 
claiming they want to accomplish in the short term of cutting some sort of cost and very useful to their longer term goal of cutting down the size of farm systems and cutting minor league affiliates and cutting costs in the long term uh, benefit based off what still is just an absurd little drop in the bucket and seems like just needless purging of the the workforce. Um, Not that it'll affect guys like Lucas Giolito or Ed Howard or any of the, like the day one, day two uh, draft picks that we only spend our time talking about, but you know, just a lot of the guys who are scratching out to make a living in baseball. It seems like they're going to be affected. It's not going to be good for scouts because you're not going to have the same large scouting staff that you would when you have 40 rounds of fill and all these affiliates to, to lock up and are having all these like small areas where you're trying to find value or find stars or find, you know, your Aaron bummers in the 19th round. Um, you're not going to have the large staffs that you uh, would have uh, if you're not, if you're not doing that anymore. So I, I think that's a big negative too. And it's not something that's going to get come to the forefront very easily because there's not like a lot of big name players are going to be affected by that. But um, yeah, it, it's something that irritates me. Do we want to do Cam? Maybe we should do like a James rant segment. God, it's, it's that was amazing. I loved it. Actually, I downloaded this drop specifically to play after James spoke. Boo! Yeah, boo him exactly. Boo! Great job, James. I mean, that, that's more fans than Lucas will hear. Uh, in <laughs> July probably. <laughs> Well, since it wasn't a one-on-one call, I guess you didn't have a chance to ask him if he missed you. Uh, no, I didn't. He, I do have this uh, for the story that I'm working on a great picture of teenage Lucas uh, posing with Samuel L. Jackson, but um, <laughs> I, I haven't had a direct contact with him um, in a conversation stance since uh, the 45 minutes in um, in March. Right, right, I think it was the day of the media restrictions going on. So we were like standing outside the complex, uh, sitting on like some, the, the weird little rock bench that they have out there as uh, other reporters passed by and yelled six feet at us because, you know, we were too close. Yeah. Put it on your tombstone. Uh, speaking, you, you mentioned, you know, like the, the way they're going to be cutting around that this is a horrible transition. I'm just going to skip it. Uh, moving on. <laughs> Andy McCullough, your your colleague at The Athletic, did the thing that we're all being forced to do these days, and he created some content. He went through every single number in Major League Baseball history and listed the best player to wear that number, and it was it was internet content, my friend. Are you worried about us getting the 25 minutes? Is that why you're talking so slow? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm never worried about us getting to 25 minutes because we're we're already what at like 14 or 15 right now, and yeah. we haven't even really done anything. That's just the beauty of us. I mean, we put out a 53 minute episode earlier this week in which I would say a half hour was the Bedetti interview, and then five minutes was me ranting, and then 18 minutes was I don't even know. I think we talked about burger. <laughs> Yeah, we did for like 30 seconds. And then this episode still lasted 53 minutes. But anyways, McCall put out this. I had had to edit all 53 freaking minutes. So eight minutes was dedicated to Jake Berger. Don't you forget that, Tom. Oh, that burger was well done. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. A little late with that, Cam. 
I'll be here twice a week. Tip your producers. But anyways, Andy did this list. And it's funny to me because I've always kind of joked about how White Sox players always wear strange numbers. And we're seeing, like, right now, a lot of White Sox players in strange or at least out of the ordinary numbers. And when you look at this list, while there are players who were members of the White Sox in earlier numbers, they're not really who you would consider to be, like, White Sox players as much as there were guys like Roberto Alomar spending a season or two with the White Sox late in their careers. Boy, he was not good. (laughs) But the players, like the first the first player on the list that you could consider a White Sox, and I don't think the world generally considers him a White Sox, even though he spent the first five years of his career there. I think they consider him a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> Which Andy wrote. And by the way, Andy has a, a podcast on The Athletic with Mark Carrick called Beyond the Scrum, and they had Sahadev on, James. They, didn't, they had you on. They should call it Beyond the Conference Call. Updates with the Times. That's that's some great deflection there. Are you jealous that they've had Sahadevan and they haven't even bothered contacting you? Uh, no, I guess not. Let's start a feud. Come on. But anyways, the first first white sock I guess you could consider would be Goose Gossage, who was at number fifty four. And again, I think that's more of either a an angry old man or a Yankee in the eyes of most baseball fans. So the first true white sock was a couple number later at fifty six. Mark Burley, who's somebody who is. A late-round draft pick that, under MLB's new guidelines, might never have made it, James. I mean, the rule that Burley was drafted under draft and follow has already been eliminated, so Burley was already kind of (laughs) unrepeatable uh, in in his own way, and now it'll be even less likely to happen. You know what was repeatable? Uh, That delivery, baby. That's right. That was the key to his success. Oh, I have a rant. Oh, go for it. Let's go. Cam, get the music ready. I've talked to you about your my Burley rant before. This whole idea that he did more with less is fucking infuriating because Mark Burley had elite command and a 70-grade changeup at most, or at, best, or at worst. It's like he has, all right, literally all we talk about in spring training <laughs> is like the primary currency of pitching is fastball command. Like whether or not somebody is good or not, is basically determined by fastball command, as evidenced by the fact that Burley sat like 85 and was a great pitcher who will get Hall of Fame consideration because he had elite fucking fastball command. That's like the one thing everybody wants. So the idea that he, who was like the best at this fucking thing, was like doing more with less or like just gritting his way is like absurd. Like it's almost like disrespectful of his talent to not, not recognize that he had this elite skill that everyone cares about. I feel like I'm going crazy. Do you know you know what Mark Burley's greatest asset was? Fastball command. No. Heart. Grittiness. I mean the fielding was very nice. <laughs> <laughs> was that a drop or is that live? Cuz it sounded I panicked. That was the first thing I downloaded. <laughs> I actually thought that was me yawning for half a second. <laughs> you know, Mark Burley was okay. He had a decent fastball command. I mean, I think it was mostly just cunning and guile, you know, wanting it more than the other guy. Gritting being, it to the exact spot on the glove that was set up. Being the first guy in the complex and the last one to leave. <laughs> driving a big old monster truck. Ever told you the story about when I saw Mark Burley driving his monster truck down 57 or 55, whichever the one that is that goes to St. Louis? Uh, No. It was about 
11.30 at night. I can't remember where the hell I was. Probably going back to Champaign, driving south. And just, like, he came tearing up from behind, like, this giant monster truck that just flew by us. And I, it, it didn't realize it at the time that it was Burley. But then I saw pictures of his truck probably, like, a few weeks later. And, uh, yeah, I was like, oh, so that was Mark Burley probably going home. Doing about 90, I would say he had to have been going in that thing. And it scared the shit out of us. Anyways, at uh, number six, <laughs> number 62, Jose Quintana made the list, which, I mean, do you have a rant built up for Jose? Also good fastball command. Stuff is just okay. <laughs> that's That's not really a rant as much as it's a comment. But yeah. according to Andy, Jose's... Biggest competition for the number 62 spot was Joba Chamberlain. Remember Joba? I do. Remember that was like a big deal? Like he was the next big thing? He was and literally then, and figuratively a big thing. And then like the Mayflies or the Midges or whatever. In the Cleveland Midges ate him. They carried him off yeah. in Cleveland and ate him. <laughs> they, literally, they literally ate his skill and he was never the same again. <laughs> Uh, the next White Sox on the list, who is somebody who wore two numbers in his career. He started it wearing number 27 for the Red Sox, but he finished it wearing number 72 for the White Sox, Carlton Fisk. I don't know how many other 72s there have even been in Major League Baseball history, but I feel like that's a that's a solid choice for that number. Right behind him at 73, who is not somebody you would think of as a White Sox, considering he wasn't there very long, and he only wore the number for a little time in a White Sox uniform, but... Tony Phillips. Do you remember when Tony Phillips wore 73? Uh, I don't remember him wearing 73. I remember his OBP was like in the 370s, so I don't know. Flip it around. I don't, let me, how many games did Tony wear 73? I know he's dead. Yeah, rest in peace, buddy. Because he started off as number eight with the White Sox. So Mm. he played 36 games for the White Sox at number 73 before he was, he left for the Angels. Did they get traded or released? I can't remember. I thought he just had, I mean. Traded by the White Sox with, oh, man. Do you remember this trade? Tony Phillips on May 18th, 1997, traded by the White Sox with Chad Kreuter to the Anaheim Angels for Jorge Fabregas and Chuck McElroy. Yeah, I do not remember that trade. But uh, I would (laughs) say he was old as shit, so getting something for him, even though he was still productive, is kind kind of impressive. I mean, Jorge Fabregas was actually like an okay backup catcher for a little bit there. Yeah. So uh, I remember Hawk just called him George. George. <laughs> the next White Sox on the list, number seventy-nine. Uh, I, I have a oh. I have a debate a takey thing. So do it. Uh, Seventy-four is Kenley Jansen on mm-hmm. this list. Kenley Jansen, you know, looking at him was basically like a top three reliever for I want to say seven years straight. So I think he very much enjoys, uh, deserves uh, being the best 74 ever. Do you think, or what are the odds of Eloy basically overtaking him at some point? Good. They're good. Because as long as Eloy stays healthy and hits dingers, he's going to be considered to be better than a closer. Even like, I mean, literally the best closer in baseball for long stretches. Longer than most people are able to hold down that such a title, given that, you know. Eh, really, he's not, he's not hitting hard. dingers, though. So if Eloy's hitting dingers, that's all that's going to matter. 
Wow. What a very limited view. Deal with it, Kenley. 79, Jose Abreu. Big shocker. Now, Andy wrote, here's what Andy wrote about Jose. He said, there's a chance, and then he put maybe not a likelihood, but at least a chance the White Sox will retire Abreu's number 79 someday. A chance, Andy? They've already got the statute commissioned. Let's be honest. I mean, if tomorrow there is like a, a, or, you know, several months ahead of time after social distancing has like been eased up, there's a video that comes out and Jose Bray is just stealing trick or treat candy from kids. I feel like that would reduce, like, it would take it down to like a 90% chance that his number is retired. If he's pulling an Albert Bell, is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah, something no. like that. There's no way in hell his number's not going to be retired. First of all, it's number 79. So, I mean, it's not like they're worried about other people taking it. And second of all, like, literally, he is, you know, he's the franchise right now, and he's extremely loyal, so therefore Jerry is going to be loyal in return. It's it's going to happen. It's it's not just a chance. The next Ext- White Sox... Extremely loyal. Just very magnanimous to take a three-year, $50 million deal at age 33 as a first baseman. Just <laughs> devotion to the organization that's unparalleled. The final White Sox on the list that I'm considering for this just because it was a high number and because I loved the player, number 99, Manny Ramirez. <laughs> I mean, he was terrible as the 99 was for the White, for the White Sox, Sox. He was awesome as number 99 for the Dodgers. Yep. Still remember him pretty on, much on the juice, but uh, you know whatever. I, think, like, I remember the NLDS series against the Cubs. And what was that? Two thousand eight. Uh, yes, I believe so. I was just I watching think, a highlight from that yesterday. Yeah, I think Manny like single handedly kind of <laughs> won that series in a way. So yeah, that was that list. Uh, I I the whole they, list. There was, like, I was watching a highlight of him hitting a huge dinger in that list, and then they cut. As he's circling the bases, the camera cuts to some white dude in the stands who's wearing a fake dreadlocks and head wrap and devotion to his hero. And it made me miss baseball a lot. Because <laughs> it was very funny. <laughs> Let me see. I want to see what he hit in that 2008 series. Load 700 with eight bombs. In a three-game sweep of the Chicago Cubs, he was five, oh my God. five for ten. <laughs> With two home runs. So he had 500. He walked four times. Yes. <laughs> uh, he was decent. So yeah, he he, sl- he had a, he slashed 500, 643, 1100. It was a, two it was home an runs, issue. three RBIs, four walks, two intentional walks, and three strikeouts. Oh well, yeah, he destroyed them that series. Anyways, yeah. So that was the only the only real argument I have with any of the numbers that he had anywhere in that list was that he didn't have Yolmer Sanchez as the best number five in the history of the game. Um, Some guy named Delbert like Pujols. I don't even know who he picked. Uh, yeah. not, he picked Pujols over DiMaggio. Yeah, over DiMaggio, Brooks Robinson, Johnny Bench, and George Brett and Yolmer Sanchez. So, I mean, Did you know, it's, it's subjective. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh, uh, did he mention Yolmer in his breakdown? <laughs> no, no, but he he should have. But again, you know, he's clearly he's clearly got a Cubs bias because again he he's brought Sahadev on his podcast with him and Carrick and, and not you. So, you know, pretty much. Uh, I guess Pujols has actually won two Gold Gloves. So, 
Yeah, but I mean, it's Pujols was a better defensive player earlier in his career than of course he is now. But I always kind of felt like those gold gloves were, you know, like the Jeter gold gloves. It's like, they, hey, he they, he's not they came awful. in years where he both finished second in MVP voting. Yeah, he's not awful defensively, and he's a really good player. So let's give him the gold glove. Remember that one time he threw a guy out while playing first base who was running the third in the World Series, and they like replayed it like seven million times. No, Jeter or Pujols? Pujols. No, I don't. What play is this? Uh, it's just some random like picked off a guy and tried to advance on a grounder to the right side to third base. I I didn't. Wow, that was was it was it like the fourth inning, a zero zero score. Something like that. Game two, and it had no impact on the rest of the game. Well, to cut that guy down. <laughs> but James remembers it like it was Bobby Thompson's, you know, well, shot. I just remember the them being like, his defense is so, like, outstanding, and this is evidence of it. And I was like, oh, this is the first time I thought of his defense, other than, you know, when they moved him out of left field and off third base and over the first. <laughs> or anytime Jeter did the, the, the jump throw from the hole. Yeah. It's like, yeah, well, if he got there quicker, he could have just thrown. <laughs> Anyways, James, there are certain times when you don't want to have to go to the doctor's office to get help for a medical condition. If you're dealing with a condition like ED, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides the treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel any time. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com slash White Sox for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash White Sox for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. And speaking of erectile dysfunction, James, <laughs> how is the scoring dysfunction of young Santiago Fegan going with UCD Dublin? Uh, he scored four goals on Derry City's pathetic defense. Oh, he, Derry City, you suck. He just kept uh, rolling, <laughs> rolling to the middle of the box and, uh, you know, just banging home easy feeds uh, all day. And uh, that made me kind of think of maybe I'm getting too good at this difficulty level. I need to move up. But then, lo and behold, no goals, no assists. <laughs> Next game in a 1-1 draw. Um, I did kind of have one of those little hockey assists where I kind of started a break. And that was our, own, our own, only goal. But, um, yeah. Uh, the little, you, you asked how was his form. But um, I don't know, the, the little thing on his uh, My Career icon says it's excellent. I don't know. I guess that's good. What's um, what's his average rating? It's like seven something. Oh, so that's decent. Seven that's one decent. or something like that. But I, I mean, I'm guessing you, you you're get a kinda, really high rating when you score four goals in a game. Yeah, I think that you're kind of an up and down player. I mean, you're young. Tiago is young. Tiago is going to be inconsistent. He's going to have great moments, and he's going to have games where he's just not there because he, he's learning. And when you're in the the rough and tumble, nonstop grind that is the Irish second division, I mean, jeez. <laughs> 
You know, he's, he's by far the most talented player on the team. He's like a seventy now. Um, yeah, he's by far the most talented player in that league. Trust I think me. the next best player is a fifty-eight, <laughs> which is which is why which leads to my next question: Do you think that it's time for Tiago to leave Dublin for greener pastures and maybe a bigger challenge? Well, the transfer window is closed, Tom. So I don't know. So what you're expecting. You can still uh, demand I, a transfer anytime you want, buddy. Yeah, I don't I don't want I want to be a, I want to be a team player. I don't want to be a guy. I want to leave like on good terms. So I I was kind of waiting for a team to come calling before I do that. And I've been told that happens at some point, but I don't know. We're still like it will. We're still like maybe a third through the season. So like yeah, I I I played like 11 games and I have eight goals. Like things are going well. Uh obviously Coming out of the Schneid, where uh, you know I red carded myself, got suspended, and then didn't score for two more games after coming back. Uh, shaking that off a little bit makes me feel good about myself, about Tiago, about how he was raised, uh, you know, in the mean streets of, of Linstead, Jamaica. Uh, but he's he's still a fifteen year old. You know, we, need, we don't need to rush to Liverpool. Uh, you know, tomorrow. Oh, you're not good enough for Liverpool. No, not really. But for somebody who maybe, says maybe Irish first division, for somebody who says that they're a team player, I'd like to read some texts. <laughs> I said, James, for future reference, you can start out at a big club in your career, and they'll just send you out on loan if you aren't good enough. Or you could start at some tiny Irish college team, and you said, "I want agency. I pick this team. I've bonded with my teammates. I know some of their names." I'm not learning their names on purpose, but there are like two other guys who do shit, and I can't help but notice them repeatedly. Liam That's, that doesn't usually sound like a team match. player. <laughs> My passes are not indicative of a team player either. <laughs> uh, no, see, here's your, your like. So you're a lone striker up top, pretty much. Yeah, we run a stupid dog shit formation. Like my position is right wing, and they have me run in center because they don't have a right wing. They just have me like in this. Stupid well, positional versatility formation. is good for you to learn. Yeah, you know, you know it would be good to learn. I'd like to have the versatility of my actual natural position. That'd be nice. Well, maybe if you would have, you know, chosen a better team that played your position, because you know, you look when you look at these teams, you can see their formations, James. Yeah, well, I didn't click through that menu. I did notice that, like, I think the oldest person on our roster is like nineteen. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's gonna be a very young league, but. Yeah, so, I mean, if you're in the middle and you're a lone striker, I don't think, no offense, I don't think you're good enough to just try to go one-on-one. So No, definitely not. Need to stop doing that as much as possible. Yeah, my advice for Tiago would be to just kind of, you know, when you get the ball, pass it to somebody as quickly as possible and let let them supply you the ball in, in places you could score. That's, that's your key to success. That was what was going right, but... Um... I, it's uh, a lot of my passes when I like immediately touch it off go nowhere. <laughs> just touch through passing to guys who are slow, or I'm like passing two feet behind people because I'm generally bad at it. Um, all my skills are really just finishing. And Maybe it's time to move pass. on. I'm saying you gotta. You, you're not. You're not doing it. You know. You, you're doing it to help how, yourself. Like, me telling you that like there are these massive holes in my game <laughs> are emblematic of how I should move on. I'm telling you that if you get better teammates, you will become better too. Liam Kerrigan's got like a, a, an eight point five rating, like every game. He's 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 working his tiny ass off. And what's his overall rating? 
59? Like 56 or something. I don't think he's even the the second best player on the team. Like, literally. He's doing more with less, not Burley. (laughs) In my managerial career, I have a, you know, a youth academy, and I am signing 14-year-olds who are already rated higher than 56, James. (laughs) I mean, Liam Kerrigan sounds like an Irish, like an algorithm created an Irish name, too. Yes. All right, well. I thank you for keeping us informed on Tiago. And, you know, I mean, I do think that if Tiago is looking to transfer somewhere, you should you should break the news here. Maybe, you know, give your pod, maybe he can give his Uncle James a scoop. Uh, he's my son. Maybe he can him. give his. Maybe we went through can... some time where I didn't acknowledge him. and I, 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 I pleaded ignorance, but he, he, is, he is the fruit of my loins. Well, I'm proud of you for showing personal growth and taking responsibility. Now that he's worth $5 million, I, I yeah. accept my child. Yeah. <laughs> uh, time for shout-outs. Speaking of children, my shout-out is to my dog, Frankie. Her sixth, we're recording this on April Fool's Day, but yesterday was her sixth birthday. And poor How's the knee? Just, it's getting better, but, you know, we've had to stop going to the rehab because of all the shutdowns, so she's not getting that. And, you know, she's just kind of locked in for the most part with us like she gets to go on her daily walk but it's not what her walks were before she injured her knee because i'm supposed to slowly ramp her back up and now that she's not getting rehab she's not getting as healthy as quickly so we're still kind of slowing things down with the walk so she's she's you know doing her best but she's just as miserable as the rest of us because she's penned up in the house so frankie you can't listen to this podcast but it's gonna get better kid i promise james who's your shout out for uh, I mean, I could give it to my mom, who's the medical director of Cook County Bureau of Health, and um, literally on like dealing with the COVID nineteen uh, outbreak on a daily basis. <laughs> Is but she instead, the one that's hiding all the ventilators? Um, no. Oh, okay. Because I was told we got them. We're just hiding them. We're not telling anybody. I don't think the uh, Cook County Bureau of Health has a. Uh, dealt with a surplus of resources in uh, quite some time. In a very long time. <laughs> I, I assume it happened at some point. We don't know. Um, it was right before right the now. Chicago fire. <laughs> and then it, yeah. it all burned down. The and they've just been, cow ruined it all. And ever since, they're just like, yeah, yeah, we'll get it to you. We'll get it to you. Just leave us alone. Jeez. At, at some point, we'll start providing resources for poor people in Cook County. We'll get eh, I wouldn't. I'd, I'm going over whatever whatever you're putting the time on. I'm going over because <laughs> I was going 117 and a half years. Eh, give me maybe 150 if I'm being optimistic. All right. No, I'm not going to take that action to be honest. Hey James, you know what? We what? filled 40 minutes and we haven't really. <laughs> I told you there was no point to worry about the time because. You and I, we would just feel it. Uh, but before we go, if you're listening to us on Apple, do us a favor. Give us a five-star rating. It helps get the show noticed by those who maybe don't already know of its existence. I don't think you can rate it on Spotify, but you can follow it. I don't know if that has any impact. But if you do listen on Spotify, you're probably already following. But, you know, if you aren't, you just came across, give us a follow. Also, of course, subscribe to The Athletic because... That's where James writes, and that's pretty much where we get all our material for the shows. I just wait to see what James writes, and then we talk about it. And on Monday... How am I going to afford more Pad Thai if you don't subscribe 
and uh, I get fired. That's a good point. <laughs> on Monday, we're going to uh, going to talk about a story James is working on right now. I don't know. Is it going to, w- without telling us what it is, is it going to be published by Monday or? What? The Giolito thing? No, the thing we were talking about that we're going to, you know, talk about oh, on Monday. Oh, uh, no, probably not. Okay, so we'll talk about it. So if you listen on Monday, you're going to get an exclusive into one of James's future stories. Isn't that exciting? Uh, uh, no, fine. Fuck you, Cam. <laughs> what a Miss Tyler. Tyler didn't have drops, but what he had? Heart. Grip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks for listening. Uh, we, will, <laughs> we will talk to you again next week. Bye, everybody. <laughs>